This week is Thanksgiving. Michael kind of alluded to it a little bit, and everyone knows it. Everyone's got their travel plans going on. And, and as church goes, the, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, after Christmas, after a holiday is usually the least um, celebrated and least one because everyone's always with family on the road and traveling and all that stuff. So that's great. We hope you have a great week this week and eat lots of turkey, eat lots of green bean casserole, my favorite. I can't wait till Lenore makes one. Maybe she'll make one just for me. That would be great. I'm making my preparations and my, my prayers here right now in front of God and everybody. But I just want us to, to think about those things that we have Instead of just the cowboys playing and, and the different foods and the desserts and the, t- the whole table full of desserts and everything, I'm, I'm thinking about when we would hang out with the McNats every Thanksgiving and just the whole laid out of desserts and the turkey and like you could hardly walk back to the table, but you would, you know, or at least I would. And, you know, but let's keep in mind what this season's about. Now, this isn't a spiritual holiday. It's one we celebrate in America. And I heard a comedian this past week um, said he's from Australia, and he says, I just love being in America around this time because all the people say, do you all celebrate Thanksgiving in Australia? He goes, yeah, we celebrate when the Americans came over and took over from the Indians. Yep, that's a national holiday for us. How stupid can we be sometimes in thinking? But even though it's not a scriptural holiday, it's not one, it is a great time for us to change the way our focus is. And that's what we've been talking a lot about recently, to change our focus from all of our problems on all the things. And it's a great time that we can focus on being thankful. Last week, I talked about being thankful and not just thankful. So I'm, I'm playing on the spelling and I'm, I'm spelling it incorrectly and I understand but I'm thinking about it as thankful, F-U-L-L. And I did hit the challenge last week, and, and this is day seven of the challenge. And if you've been following us on social media, and you should if you don't, that you can look on there. And every day I posted, and I, I kind of followed Lenore's lead, and she did two on one day because she missed a day, or maybe she did it more than once. And, and I did that a couple of times. But today is day seven, and I wrote this morning that I'm thankful for the grace of God and I'm thankful for the mercies of God. This morning we sang a song, Thank You for the Cross, Lord. Thank you for the nail-pierced hands. And, and even as I felt the, uh, the inclination that that was the songs we were supposed to sing this morning, again, it just never ceases to amaze me that when I do the music, it's a completely separate time. And then when I do my message, it's a completely separate time. And I'm really not thinking one about the other. But as I'm up here singing the songs and as I'm worshiping alongside you, I hear the, the thread of what God is doing here. Last week we saw in Luke chapter 17 that Jesus entered into a village and he saw the 10 men with leprosy. And I'm not going to rehash that or relive um, that for you, but you can go back and listen to that on our podcast. You can go back to our belongdfw.tv and you can watch the message up there. And Michael's doing such a great job of editing those and getting them up there. And we're just continuing to get better and better every week. But in verse 13, I want us to look at They came to Jesus and they cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, we saw the whole story last week. And if you didn't hear it, like I said, go back and catch it because I'm not going to finish the rest of this. But I want us to see that when they came to Jesus, they're saying, have mercy 
on us. In fact, many times in the Bible, people cried out for Jesus to have mercy on them. And I, I'm not going to go through every one of them because we would be here longer than the time that's allotted. And I try to be really judicious with your time. But many have cried out to Jesus for mercy. In Matthew 9, 27, if you're taking notes, you can write it down and go back and look at it later. Two blind men came up. In Matthew 20, 29, two more blind men came up. And, and I, I can't help but wonder if maybe the, the, the word got out about those two blind men in Matthew 9. And then the other 20 in um, Matthew 20, they heard and they had, their faith was built up because, hey, God had done it for them. Maybe it'll happen for me. And in Mark 10, it says a certain be- blind beggar. So it's one. And then in Luke 18, it says a certain blind man. Again, it was one. And then Matthew 15, the Canaanite woman in verse 22 cried out to Jesus for her child. And in Matthew 17, verse 15, a father for his son. And and we see that there's so many times that we need mercy. We have no right. We have no reason to call to God. He has no right to to do it for us. We're just in this place like, have mercy on me. And that's what we see here. I love that in Lamentations, chapter, verse 3, chapter 3, verse 22, excuse me, says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Isn't that amazing to think about? That God's mercies never cease. But great is his faithfulness, verse 23. His mercies begin afresh every morning. Another translation says, his mercies are new every morning. So all that mercy that you used up yesterday, baby, it's a new day today. Not that we, as we'll see in a moment, have just a reason to take advantage of that and, and, and the wrong way of taking advantage of that and just like, I, I don't need it. Oh, God's mercies are there for me. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying, it, you feel like uh, there's no way God can still love me after yesterday. And yet it's a new day. And as I was preparing my message, not even in my notes, but I couldn't help to think about the scripture that Jesus says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. When you have a struggle with your husband or with your wife, when you have a struggle with your friend, or with your, your enemy even, if you have a struggle with anyone, you're quarreling and, and you're just not getting along. And he says, don't let the sun go down. Can I suggest to you that it's in the same thought that his mercies are new every morning. Our mercies should be new every morning as well. So those situations, those interpersonal relationships that we have should be new, should be renewed every morning. In fact, we should be giving the same love, the same mercy that Jesus did to us. Because what we've received, we are accountable to give back out. Matthew 5, and this is in the middle of the Beatitudes. You may be familiar with it. He says, blessed are the merciful. In verse 7, it says literally, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Blessed are the merciful, God blesses those who are merciful, but it's only you can only be merciful because you've been given mercy, but then they will be shown mercy again. And you start this cycle that is the heart of God, of mercies. God's mercies are new 
every morning, and we are blessed when we act like him. Romans chapter 11, verse 30 says, just as you who were want at one time disobedience to God have now received mercy as a result of your disobedience. You had disobedience, and you needed God's mercy, and you received it, verse 31, so they, others, those are people around you, have now become in need of mercy as well, have become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy. As a result of God's mercy, to whom? To you. To me. Verse 32, for God has bound everyone up to disobedience. He's taken everyone's missing the mark. He goes, man, I'm putting all that over here so I can have mercy on it. So I can have mercy upon you. So I can have mercy then on those people that are around me to my left and to my right. As I was going through just my week and just the normal different things, I ran across through a series of like four or five steps this video from Tarn Wells. He leads worship at Lakewood Church as well as Elevate Worship in Houston, Texas. And, and he bounces back and forth and he has his own um, music career and he just ministers in, in several things. And as I was just clicking down, I found this video and it was amazing to me how it just tied right in. And it's like four minutes long, but I want you to hear. And I want you to look. As we're looking at God's mercy and his grace, sometimes that's taken and it's twisted and it's manipulated to say, hey, man, I could do anything I want to because his mercies are new every morning. Hey, I could just go do anything. Eh, I know God will forgive me. In fact, I had somebody tell me that once, hey, you need to go sleep with this girl and you need to go do this over here. God will forgive you. Don't worry about it. You know, eh. And it's like, uh, that's not true. It is true and it's not true. We shouldn't just be, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyway, watch this video with Tarn Wells at Lakewood Church faith, but I want to set this precedent at the beginning of this message to let you know that there are different perspectives that exist in the world, and sometimes we see things differently. In fact, many of us in this room actually view Jesus differently. When we say Jesus, we are not all talking about the same person. <laughs> see, some of you have this picture of Jesus of that grew up in some suburban place in the Midwest and has blue eyes and a nice little hairdo with a, with a nicely greased beard, you know what I'm saying? And he's this suburban Jesus that you have come to know and understand. While others of you view Jesus in a completely different way, you see him as a Middle Eastern man that was ancient, that really wasn't God. He was more just a good person and a philosophizer, if you will. And he likes to share different information about different things, but 
the God thing is a little extra for us. So we view Jesus differently. Some view Jesus as someone carrying around a gavel, waiting to smash it on every human being that falls short in the world. And then there are others of us that think Jesus is more like a butterfly. And he's just full of grace. And he's just wonderful. And he's the pot at the end of every rainbow. He's he's everything that I would ever need. Jesus is my boyfriend. He's just so sweet. See, we all view Jesus a little differently. But John gives us a very clear description of Jesus. He says that Jesus came full of grace and full of truth. You know, I could divide this room into two different groups of people. I could divide y'all up into grace people. And I could divide this room up. Somebody was like, yeah, grace, come on. Warning. Then I could get you over here in the truth group. Just carrying that Bible, judging everybody with an iPhone. Praise God, you didn't bring the real word. (laughs) I could split y'all up and we'd have grace, people. Hallelujah, Jesus. I can do whatever I want on Friday and come to church and shout on Sunday. And then the truth people, they don't even worship because we don't even need worship. We just need the word. Give me that word, the shallow church. I need that Bible. It's funny. That's not how I see it. That's not how John saw it. He said, I beheld him and he came full of grace and full of truth. See, to, to limit one without the other is to lose Jesus. You can't have just a truth version of Jesus. He doesn't exist. He's a figment of your imagination. You can't have just a grace Jesus. He doesn't exist. As much as we would like him to, he doesn't exist. Because Jesus is both. And he's not just a measure of one and a measure of the other. A lot of people say this, that, that he is, he's like 50% grace and 50% truth. This is false. I love the way he connected all those dots in there. But isn't that like us, that sometimes we think that God is only this way, and we have this perception of God, and and it really does have this dichotomy of the people that only believe you can do anything you want to, and God's God's grace is going to cover you, which is true. But then there's the other side, no, 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 it's legalism, you can't, we're going to look at every single thing you do wrong, and man, you better be repenting for that, And, and yet it needs to be the fullness of both. But what is God's grace? It is literally his unmerited favor. That is that thing that I don't deserve, that you don't deserve. He's the God of second chances. Romans 3.23 says, For we all have sinned, and we fall short of the glory of God. And literally, as we've seen so many times, it means I missed the mark. We've all missed the mark. Missed it by an inch or missed it by a mile. Think about the dartboard. 
in that center place where you're trying to hit in that center place. And if you miss just below it or you hit the wall on the other side of town, you both miss the mark. Titus 3 verse 5 says, He saved us, God. Jesus saved us, not because of righteous things we have done. In other words, I can't do anything to earn that. But because of his mercy. Can I remind you? Lamentations 3.23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. They're new. Fresh. Every morning. Imagine if you had a bank account that filled back up every morning. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be, it's got so much money in it, you could not spend it all in a day. And tomorrow it just goes back to that same place. Wouldn't that be amazing? And yet, it would be also amazing to take from that same bank of what you're being given and give it out to those people that are around you. And we see the same thing when it comes to the mercies of God. I've seen people that have so much going on in their lives and so many blessings financially and things on the outside that you say, man, you have really landed it. You've really hit the the mark, man. You're doing good. You're winning in life. And I see situations happen to them and they're desperately crying out for a situation they have no control over. We all need the mercy and the grace of God. Ephesians 2 verse 4 says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, think about that bank account, so rich in mercy, he just fills it back up every morning, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, even when we were so far from God, that we didn't even know how far we were from God. It's by grace you've been saved. Hebrews 4, and I know I've got a lot of scripture today and I'm not apologizing for that. Hebrews 4, 16 says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us when everything's going good, when everything's perfect, no, in our time of need. Think about those people who are crying out to Jesus. Jesus, have mercy on me. They were in a place of great need. The woman who's crying out for her daughter, who's dying, who is dead, and the, the father who's crying out for his son, who says, Jesus, there's something that's afflicted him. He keeps throwing himself in the fire. He has all these things. We can't figure it out. Have mercy. But I love Hebrews 4. Where do we find grace and mercy? God's throne. How do you approach that throne? How do you get there? It's like, man, that sounds great, but where's God's throne? I haven't seen that on Google Maps lately. How do we get there is through worship. See, our time at the beginning of the service isn't just to give people who are running late time to get here. It's so we can enter into that throne room 
We can worship him. And the first song we sang today was, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God, not my circumstances. So when I say, Lord, have mercy on me, God, have mercy. You're my Lord. You're my God. I worship you. We sang we're no longer slaves to sin because I'm a child of God. See, we got to connect those dots. We can't just say, hey, Jesus, you that guy is walking over there. Can you come over and give me something? We have to get it from the throne where God sits. We can't take it casually. We have to be appreciative of it. We have to connect all these dots. Romans 6, verse 1 when I was growing up in Christian high school, they made us memorize a chapter of the Bible every week, every month, sorry. God, every week, that would have been horrible. It was bad enough as it was. I'm right up to the end to squeak it out that I've got it memorized. But this is one of my favorite ones. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue? Shall we go on sinning just because we know grace will increase? I love how it says in the New King James, it says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin knowing that grace will abound? We know that if I sin, God's grace is going to overcome this situation and develop it. In fact, he did it in the cross long before I was born. But shall I just continue doing this stuff because I know, hey, God's got this. Like Tyron said. I can live however I want to on Friday because Sunday I can just worship and say, Shonda, Shonda. Is this how we're supposed to live? Shall we just go on sinning? Should we just go on missing the mark? The next verse says, God forbid. Verse 14, though, says this. For sin shall no longer be your master. Because you're not under the law, but under grace. But the sin that you're no longer the master under is talking about shifting who your master is. So this morning I want to ask you, who's your master? See, sin will no longer have dominion over us. It'll no longer be your master. The song we sing, I'll no longer a slave to sin because I'm a child of God. It's because I'm no longer under that law. I've been moved out from that thing over here under God's law. And I'm under grace. But it requires that shift. 2 Corinthians 4 says... Therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry that God has ministered to us, we do not lose hope, heart. Rather, we renounce secret and shameful ways. Can I tell you, this is not a popular scripture in church. We don't want to talk about renouncing secret and shameful ways. We want to say, no, Jesus is great. Oh, it's a great, it's a beautiful day. No, there's a part of our walk with God that involves renouncing secret, 
shameful ways. See, Taran says this, it's not just about God is half full of grace. And over here, half full of truth. And the halves come together and they make fullness. And they make 100%. No, it's 100% of both of those. See, God's grace and God's mercy overcomes us and overwhelms us. And it's new every day. And it's wonderful and it's great. But there's also a part that I have to play. I've got to renounce my secret, my shameful ways. Now, I don't know anybody that gets really excited about telling somebody else their secret things. Or those things that are shameful, those things that you wish they were in the closet that would just like, I can put, lock that door and break that key off so it's never, no one's ever going to know. What's that skeleton? It goes on to say, we do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. We're not going to twist this all around so it works for us. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth, remember Torah talked about the truth, plainly we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. It's talking about being vulnerable with somebody. And typically, this is where it happens in the, in the comfort and the security of a small group. But everyone needs that someone that they can go to. So this day before Thanksgiving, day seven of being thankful, can I remind you what I posted? I am thankful for God's mercy for his grace. Will you bow your heads with me? See, the question of the day this week of Thanksgiving, I'll ask you again, what are you thankful for? What is overflowing in your life that you say, man, God, I'm just so thankful. It's pretty amazing when we think about the grace of God. But as I mentioned, it has to be because we're in this different camp. It requires a decision. It requires something changing in our lives. The first and most awesome thing to be thankful for is the grace of God. Even when, especially when, we don't deserve it. That day that you decide to stop trying to do it by yourself or on your own. Have you had that day? Have you moved from that place where you're no longer a slave to sin? Because now you're a child of God? Or is today that day? The greatest experience we can enter, have as we enter into this Thanksgiving is the free gift of eternal life grace of God. His mercies are new every morning. See, it isn't about joining this church. It isn't about joining any church, but it is about our personal relationship with God. May I invite you to pray this prayer with me? Whether it's the first time or more than one. Simply say this. Say, Jesus, thank you for paying for my sins so I don't have to. Today is my day. I ask you 
to forgive me. I come just as I am. I need your mercies to wash me. I invite you into my life and I surrender it all to you. I choose to follow you. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you with all my heart. Today I give you my life. Father, I thank you for everyone who's prayed that prayer. Lord, whether it's today, whether it's live in our, in our, in our home, Lord, it, if it's people watching us live on all the multiple different medias, Lord, or listening to it, Lord, all the different things. It could be six months from now that they hear this prayer and pray it. God, I thank you that your mercies just overtake them. Like this wave of just cleansingness that just comes all over us. Lord, let us keep in mind that our mercies from you are new every morning and they need to be new from us to those around us every morning as well. Lord, let us not forget to not let the sun go down when we're upset, to let it all be worked out or completely just give it up. God, we give all this to you. And I thank you. I'm thankful your grace for your mercy in Jesus name I pray amen well as we're closing I want you to pull out your connection card and those who are watching online go and Michael told you all the different ways you can go click on our, our live stream it's on our app on our phones you can click on it there's just lots of different ways. On our website, you can go to belongdfw.com and find it. It's a many different places. But we want to hear from you. And we're actually including this part in our stream now and in, in our actual MP3 because we want to hear from you. We see all the stats of where it's going all over the world, and we, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what God's doing in your life. See, we're better together, but we're all in this together. There's a place in the middle for you to say what your decision was today, whether today was your first time surrendering your life to God or, or perhaps you've done it before, but you're coming back today. There's a place for you to say, hey, I want to be baptized or you want somebody to talk to you. And I, and I have a huge list of people who want to have lunch and to talk and just to kind of have that one-on-one -on -one, and that's awesome and that's great. And there's plenty of room. We'll make room. I don't care if I have to have lunch four times a day. We'll make it work. I like eating anyway, so that works out pretty good for me. But we want to hear from you. So please, take that extra moment. Not to flatter us. I'm not fishing for compliments. But we do want to hear what's going on in your life. And be praying about those flyers that are going and landing in everyone's mailboxes this week. I'm so, so, so excited. I can't imagine how awesome it's going to be and be in prayer for where our next place is going to be. So if you will stand to your feet and we're going to pray and be dismissed. Father God, I just thank you for Thanksgiving. An American holiday, but nevertheless a time that we can focus on being thankful. Lord, and you've been so good to us. You've been so good to me. 
I want to be like the one leper who we looked at last week who came back and said, thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Lord, I thank you for the legacy offering that we're going to be taking in a few weeks. And God, I just thank you that you're going to do something amazing. Not only in our church, Lord, with the uh, financial things of the things that we're believing for, but Lord, for our missionaries, Lord, and for our building fund for the next place. God, you got all of that under control. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, we thank you for all the people who've sent in connection cards and prayer requests, use our online facilities for all of that stuff. And Lord, for everyone who's paid their tithes and their offerings this week. Or speak a blessing over them in your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.